Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Hey, 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 back again. It is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. This is episode 119. I am your humble host, Trek Lord of West Michigan, which is not a very humble expression, but I like it anyway. Uh, I'm Charlie Carden, and I am joined by the entirety of my awesome team. Uh, from my extreme left, my chief engineer on the USS Grand Petoskey, Mr. Peter Stein, Lieutenant Peter Stein. How are you today? Doing all right. Excellent. Uh, middle center, we have acting captain slash commander uh, of the USS Rhapsody, Mr. Aaron Heminger. Aaron, good day to you. Hello, everybody. Good to have you back. I know we missed you in the last episode. And then we have we have our friend from across the pond, the Windy City Trekker, Jen Watson, tuning in. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good doing morning. great. Good morning. All right. Yes, we often record on Sunday mornings because we're easy like that song goes. But anyway, um, great to be here. We've got a great show for you. We're doing uh, our second selection of the Random Sode, uh, which was selected by who picked this one? The Dice. The Dice picked it. Who was oh, in I charge? I don't know. It wasn't, <laughs> I, I think I this was me. It, that was you. So, all right. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll reveal that in a moment, what that's going to be. Uh, and then we're going to start a new show. Uh, we're starting Star Trek Enterprise, uh, the final season, and the first six episodes from that, which are amongst uh, some of my absolute favorites of that series. So, I'm very excited about that. But uh, first and foremost, got to pay those bills in giving homage uh, to the wonderful folks uh, over on our Secret Friends Unite Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash Secret Friends Unite, uh, you can trial our wares for seven days for free. Check out some of our great programs, including uh, a show that my partner Todd Oxford and I do about comics called Spinnerack. And uh, the uh, Facts of Geek Life, which is a show that I do with everybody here, except for Aaron, because we got to get you on the rotation. But uh, we take a classic uh, genre series, sometimes a non-genre series. Uh, we take a season of that show and we uh, break out a few episodes and have a good time talking about it. Uh, Jen and I just embarked on doing a little bit more on Sequest, uh, which will be coming up again. Uh, Peter and I are just about to start talking about the second season of Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica, one of my absolute favorite series. Um, and we have a good time. Uh, but uh, on our Friends with Benefits level, our, our uh, upper tier folks, We'd like to give thanks to Corey and HG, HD, John Sedorf, the Phoenix Sisters Cosplay, Brendan Myers, and Matthew Keel. Our top-tier folks are the BFFs, the Nias family of the Twin Cities, Sean, Stella, and Henry, and our friend Missy Merchant. So thank you very much. One more time, patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite. Give a visit. Do your seven days. Uh, enjoy our wares. And if you like it, feel free to stick around because we would like to have you stick around. All right. Well, we have a week where we have some honest to God news uh, that uh, we already we had fun with this first story already just in our in our little group chat yesterday. Um, but, you know, we're living in the era of 
merger talks. So-and-so is going to buy so-and-so. This one can't survive without having another one. Uh, and streaming is rife with it because I think, you know, as my partner Todd over on our main show is fond of saying, you know, streaming is a tough one. You know, five, 10 years ago, everybody thought, oh my God, we're just, we're, they're just going to be throwing money at us sideways. Um, and while a lot of people do stream, uh, it's not the, you know, big dollars. It's not the traditional dollars that, uh, perhaps everybody, you know, it's maybe not all it's cracked up to be as far as when it comes to the earnings, because all of these streamers are losing money. And so you're seeing the big mergers, you know, you're seeing the Disney and the Hulu and uh, rumors of Warner uh, buying Paramount, which I, I hope is, is not going to come to pass. But the latest one uh, has to do with, I'm sure I'll see this on the Colbert Report this week, uh, because he did one recently uh, about another potential merger. Uh, but the good folks at Universal and uh, Peacock in particular are looking to merge that service with Paramount Plus. And let's just get it out of the way, guys. Top three names uh, for this new service. We'll start with Jen. Jen, what's your favorite? My favorite or my least favorite? Uh, you tell me. Uh, the one that I heard earlier was Cockmount. And that is the worst one. And you can censor that if you need to. I don't. I, I don't censor. Yeah. That's not allowed. No. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it ought to be. <laughs> but Too late. It, there's no. There's no really good way to blend those names. Oh so, my goodness! You know. All right, Aaron. Well, Aaron, what's your favorite? Least favorite? I am 100 percent on board for Paracock. <laughs> uh, Peter. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with Paramount, but pear like the pe- like the fruit. There you go. I find money. That's the most PG one that you can go with. I agree. Um, I you know I, to Apple. Yes. Oh exactly. my gosh, the yeah. Apple versus. And, it's, then it's, you, and then if you if they come up with a show that stinks, then you know you have a rotten pear. So all right. Well, then you've got uh, pear plus, and then Netflix can go off of Orange is the New Black. Oh, I was gonna say Orange has got to come into this yeah. at some point. So there you go. Um, bananas out of it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Banana plus. <laughs> Banana plus. Banana plus. I love it. All right. So, you know, uh, the classic cord cutter argument is like, oh, God, things are going to cost as much as cable. I'm not saving any money. You know, the beauty of all these streamers is, yes, two of them merge. Uh, they're going to find a way to charge more money. Um, but the beauty of it is they are all, while many of them have a variety of options uh, with ads, without ads, annual, uh, but m- almost all of them, I think, are monthly. Um, so really, if you're like, hey, there's a new blah, blah, blah show. Come- I want to watch this show. Cool. It's on for eight weeks. It's on for six weeks. All eight episodes are being dropped in one. I'm going to have it for one month, you know, so. Uh, can rotate it. Yeah, exactly. The The only real danger is in the the uninformed consumer, which isn't that really the danger of, of pretty much all of this? You know, yeah, I can say, oh, I forgot I was signed up for that. You know what? Sign up for it for 30 days, do a free one week trial, put a note in the calendar on your phone, because that's the only way that I do anything in life. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> um, yeah. It's yeah, it's the only way and then cancel it. So I don't I mean, you guys tell me I don't, you know, a, a detractor probably is not maybe for a franchise like Star Trek, which is established and we we feel like it's going to move forward because it survived the slings and arrows of different ownership and being off the air and having different creative people in control. You know, the real danger is... Drought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there have been some pretty... I mean, there was a 10-year yeah. drought back in the day because we ignored the animated series. Or at least I choose to. Um, but, uh, you know, if Todd was here, I'm sure he'd have something, you know, very businessy to have say about it that, you know, oh, well, this will mean less new content, yada, yada, yada. 
yada. I, I get that, but you know, the stuff isn't free, uh, and there has to be revenue there to, to produce these programs. So I don't know what what are your guys' takes on mergers? Is it kind of makes you know never mind? Do you have passionate feelings about it? Jump in, please. I feel that more often than not, the mergers are about um, the 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 money and making the um, profit loss look less than what it really is for like investors and things like that. And yeah. I think more than anything, that's what it's about. Because if you're merging your, your your profit margins for the end of the quarter or whatever, it doesn't look as bad when you're combining two different companies into one. And I think right. I think that's I think that's the essentially the scam whenever we hear about these mergers. Yeah, the skip, the scam, Rooney. Uh, any thoughts, Chandler Peter? Mergers are mergers. As long as the stuff's still there, I don't really care that much. Yeah, I, no, I agree. Discs. I don't yeah. care. It's it is you know we've had this conversation and, and it's a school of thought that's out there. It all really comes back down to physical media. You know what I mean? I've been taking stock of the physical media I have. Uh, I've been putting uh, you know I finally got a, a 4K uh, player last year, the year before that. Uh, so I've been slowly acquiring those discs, but only of the really core stuff like the Star Wars films, the Star Trek films, you know, stuff that I'm going to be like, all right, well, when the apocalypse comes and okay, oh, that's right. I'm not going to carry discs around with me if I'm running from the cordyceps monsters or the zombies or whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, but if, you know, if streaming goes kablooey, I still have the discs of the things that I, you know, really absolutely have to watch. So yeah, no, I agree all with you. All I ask for is, is it, is my stuff still, uh, can I still watch the things I want to watch mm-hmm. and is the new stuff going to be good? Right. That's really all that I want. If it means that there's less new stuff because they want to put more, you know, make it more quality, I'm all for that. Right. I'm okay right. with that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're going to survive one way or the other. So interesting. Again, it's a rumor. So who the hell knows? Um, but if there, if obviously, if there there are ongoing developments with that, uh, you will hear it from us. So all right, moving right along. Uh, we've, we've known that Star Trek Discovery final season is coming out in April, but we now have an honest to goodness confirmation of when that's going to be. Uh, it will arrive on the eve of first contact day, first contact day being April the 5th. Uh, so that would be April the 4th, which is my wife's birthday. Yay. I'm sure that's how she wants to celebrate. Um, but on uh, Thursday, April the 4th, we will get the first two of the 10 episode season, uh, which again, Discovery previous seasons uh, were 13 or 16 episodes. This 10 episode uh, bump brings it more in line with other other Star Trek shows and really kind of what's Season little... four was 10 episodes too. Was it really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it really does bring it, obviously continues the trend of bringing it a little bit more in line with what you see, which is a six to 10 episode season and something that's streaming. So um, we have the, uh, the majority of the original cast uh, or the ongoing cast from season four returning the main cast we're getting the addition of callum keith rennie aka cylon model number four from bsg which peter and i uh, have been talking about is joining uh, the cast as a vulcan captain named rayner uh we have a gentleman named uh elias tofexis as laak i actually met him at star trek las vegas at one of the parties i went to um last year you know so the show was was wrapped by that point or was close to it and then actress eve harlow as character named mall she'll actually be on the cruise which it was we were looking at the roster the other day and april was like who is eve harlow i'm like i think she's on discovery or i don't think now now i know because it's my job to know (laughs) um so 
uh, yeah, there we go. So we're going to get that final season. Uh, I think there ha- the, the plot synopsis provided here does mention that the crew is sent to retrieve an 800-year-old Romulan vessel until the until the hidden artifact inside is stolen, leading to an epic chase, which we actually did see uh, footage of at one of the cons last year, as I recall, or, or an epic chase of some kind. Uh, meanwhile, Saru is offered the position of a lifetime in Tilly's efforts uh, to help pull her into uh, Tilly's efforts help Tilly's efforts to help blah, 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 pull her into a tangled web of secrecy. Well, that could be anything, but it, that's probably the first 15 minutes of the first episode. Um, so there's a lot of adventures to come. So um, I know we all kind of land in different places when it comes to discovery. It sounds like uh, it sounds like a better setup to me. It's not the kind of the monster or the MacGuffin that, uh, of the, the week, which is what we got in all the other seasons, really season, season two, it was the red angel season three. It was uh, chasing the burn season four. It was the, the, what was the thing? The DOS or the, the, I knew Yeah. The designated market area, the very dangerous (laughs) in marketing terms. Um, so we don't have, at least from this description, kind of a, a kind of a, a super monster or a, uh, a, a big boss, like in a video game. Um, I think that's refreshing because doing leather rinse repeat and just saying, Hey, we got a new monster is, is kind of a bummer. Um, so I'm interested to see how this turns out. So, um, Peter, you also not a, an enormous discovery fan, but what do you think of the summary? Um, it seems interesting. I'm, um, an 800 year old Romulan ship makes me go, Oh no, we have something from the 24th century. Mm-hmm. What are we dealing with now? Can we please right. leave the poor Romulans alone? Yeah. The, um, no bad stuff. happening. They've just been kind night. of the whipping child as the villains for the last yeah. several iterations. Right. Um, and not very well. Um, so it's, like, could it be Thaleron radiation? Could we be dealing with, like, I don't know, Sela in a cryotube? I don't know. Right. But he's <laughs> back in the saddle. I'd love it. I mean, I would love to see Sela back. That yeah. would be fun. But it's just one of those, like, 24th century Romulan ship that's somehow threatening everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm like intrigued, what? but I'm just like, I know a lot about the 24th century. What the heck is this? Yeah, right. Mm, <laughs> you're going to find out. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I've I've said many times before. I I feel that Discovery has progressively gotten better over the course of time, and I enjoyed the last season. I have mixed feelings of going into the final season. Uh, I, like like I think they found their footing in the story that they're telling and everything, and I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. But at the same time, I've been reading a lot of the interviews with Jonathan Frakes, who directs did the finale for this season, mm-hmm. and he you know he's been very vocal about the fact that while they were filming the finale, they didn't know this was the end. Mm, you know? So right. my my concerns is how is that going to impact you know the ending of the story is are, are is it going to are we going to feel satisfied with the ending is it going to be a little too cliffhangery or is that going to carry did on go back and and, and they went for stuff after yeah that, okay. that yeah <laughs> that is true that. yeah. So yeah, so it'll be curious to see if that maybe feels disjointed, you know, like, yeah. oh, we thought we, pat- you know, we patched together, but I mean, how much did they have to do and whatever? So that, that in itself is very interesting. So, you know, yeah. for a, a season that will run for exactly two months, cause we've got the first two episodes up first and then, uh, and then eight weeks to follow. So yeah, that, I think there's no doubt that that will be, um, that will be something to see. Yeah. 
So yeah, the end of the first uh, the show that brought TV uh, it's brought Star Trek back to TV that resurrected uh, the franchise uh, comes to an end. All things come to an end, good, bad, or indifferent, and and that's what this is. So well, good. Well, we will. Uh, oh, I like Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, no, I, I I I do like Discovery. Um, I think that it will be interesting to find out what the you know the mystery is probably going to be. What is this thing? They might not know. Right exactly what they're chasing for the course of the season, because there's always a mystery. It's not necessarily a monster, but it's a mystery. And I agree uh, with Aaron in saying that it, they did find their footing like most Star Trek shows do. It takes them about three seasons to figure out what it is they want to do and what they want to be. So um, that's, that's all I had other thoughts also, but that's, other uh, other thoughts to return at a later time. That works for yeah. me. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. probably continue on Starfleet Academy whenever that right. sports up to. So I'm right. I'm optimistic. I'm happy with where it it, it ended. I do feel mm-hmm. like you know the end of season four could have also been a series finale. Where, right. where it did end with that. Right. Um, Good. Nice. Nice. Tied so, it up in a bow. No cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm excited for season five. Good deal. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, obviously, we will jump into our, you know, kind of biweekly breakdowns of two episodes at a time uh, once we get there. Um, but uh, yeah, between then and now, we are rolling through our fun new segment, which is the random sode chosen completely by chance. Uh, we think Peter picked this one, uh, but we're, we're not 100%. It doesn't really matter because uh, we're all here and we're all going to talk about it. Um, so, Peter, would you like to read the episode name and then the super quick summary super 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 brief summary all right we are looking at tng season six episode 24 second chances yes another transporter episode the enterprise finds a second will riker on a planet that he helped evacuate eight years ago can't have just one. <laughs> He's the Pringles of Star Trek. Oh, my God. There's an early episode title. All right. So, Peter, do you want to start to walk us through your notes of the first part of this episode? All right. So for Act 1, um, we just kind of have um, the Enterprise shows up. And it's like, oh, look, we've been uh, we're visiting this planet that Will Riker was uh, helping to you know, evacuate a while when he was uh, on board the Potemkin. Um, and so, you know, it, it feels like you're normal, like, oh, we're beaming down to a planet, blah, blah, blah. Although of note, we do have first Riker in 10 forward and we see him playing the trombone. Oh, uh, night bird. bird. You know, yes. yeah. My we note see, to that. Yeah. The, uh, the schadenfreude darkness of Troy come out here a little bit. Yeah. Which is great. That, that was my note. I said, you know, if you're going to be doing anything where you ask for, uh, uh, request don't have your ex girlfriend there because you kind of find some way to screw you, make you look stupid. <laughs> I just thought it was funny how it's like anyone, any request, Nightbird, any other requests. I'm Nightbird. sorry, what was that? Yeah. Uh, night, 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 uh, night train. Okay, I know that one. Oh, no, Nightbird. Okay, yeah, and then it's like, and then Dr. Crusher's like, oh, why was that? And it's like, he's never been able to do it with this shit eating grin. You're like, uh, you bitch. I my mean, friends uh, would okay. totally do that to me too. Yeah. So I totally get <laughs> it. But that's the, thing. that's the thing that friends do though. Like, oh like, yeah. You always give each, each other, other shit. So yeah. it's not something that I thought was like bad. It was just yeah. something that I was like, that's classic. Yeah. That's, it's very real. It's humanizing, <laughs> humanizing for la- lack of a better. So All I, right. I so, 
So I have a note as we're getting into, so Riker gets called to the bridge that gets him out of playing Nightbird. He's like, yes. Uh, and he goes up to the bridge and there's Data. He's at one of the science stations in back. And so he has a line. He says, uh, you know, yeah, we'll be, uh, it, it'll be easier for us to beam down there now because the transporters are sufficiently more advanced than they were eight years ago when you were beaming out. But earlier in the season, in the episode Relics, and tell me if I remember this incorrectly, Jordy and the time displaced uh, Scotty are having conversations that transporters really haven't changed much in 100 years. Or maybe that was Impulse Engines. It was one of the two. But I'm like, oh, they had this huge breakthrough in the last six months. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was weird. Um, yeah, maybe, anyway. maybe the imaging sensors are better, but the 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 buffers are all the same. I don't know. They stopped at Auto de- uh, AutoZone and got a new buffer. <laughs> I don't know. What did you say, Jen? I said, to be fair, it was Scotty. And he... You know, intuitively grasps everything. Yeah, going to say whatever needs to be said to make it sound like it's working fine. So right, or yeah, maybe still. Scotty had some brilliant idea, and he improved the transporters in that six month period. Half of that, he did. It's not just that he's talking, but Scotty, he wrote the book. Yeah, he wrote the book. All right, Aaron, what happens next? Okay, so you got me on relic now. So, oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh, 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 <laughs> let, me, let me remember what episode we're on. They're okay. about to beam down to the planet. Yep. Beam down to the planet, and they find, hey, it's another Riker, and he has yep. a different-looking beard, and later on, he parts his hair the other way. So I'm like, oh, that's so – it really worked, though, I thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it was it was great seeing the, uh, uh, the, the juxtaposition and the meaning of, uh, you know, modern Riker versus his old, you know, counter stuff, and you can tell right away that there's some tension – between the right. two of them. Um, yeah, there's a great line about that later between when Riker and Worf are talking about, or when uh, Data and Worf are talking about, we'll get there. Absolutely. So they bring uh, they bring the 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 Riker, Riker duplicate up to the ship, uh, kind of sort of uh, check him out and find out what's going on. They find out that he's been stuck in the, uh, the buffer for several years after that accident that they had um, back in the day on one of Riker's older missions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, th- there was a point where during the storm, when they were trying to beam Riker aboard, there was an error going on. And because of all the uh, ionic interference and everything that caused for a moment, there were two pattern signatures of Riker at the same time. It made a person. The and transporter was his daddy. Total- my, da- my daddy was a transporter. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mama total, was transported. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Total freak accident, according to the logs. So one of the Riker duplicates ended up getting beamed aboard the rescue ships safely, and the other one ended up getting marooned back on the surface of the planet. Womp womp. I had some notes about uh, other. I keep calling him other Riker because he doesn't get a name. He doesn't get a name until the end of the episode, so I don't want to mm-hmm. put the cart before the horse. But mm-hmm. I wrote his undergarments are really weird. He's wearing the top of the TNG jumpsuit uh, operations division. He's wearing a weird like dark green undershirt and gray pants. So mm-hmm. there was nobody else on the station. Did he must have just raided uh, somebody's closet or something to get all these bits and bobs? Um, he still managed to cut his hair and his beard isn't down to his knees. So I mean. I mean, he's he's a man of many talents, you know, great at grooming, uh, but not really so great at, at accessorizing. But you don't really have to worry about that when nobody's around. So, uh, Jen, what happens? We move forward. We move uh, forward. Troy volunteers to go talk to him because they want to see if they can get other Rikers help in, in executing the mission. So she goes to his quarters. And then what happens? So she goes to his quarters and he's like. Imsadi and starts 
singer. Baby, baby, like, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Hang exactly. On. Yeah. Here's what happened. Yeah, right. Is we were supposed to meet on Risa and that never happened. Like, mm-hmm. not because we thought you were dead, but because, you know, Commander Riker and I never actually met up. He decided that his career was more important because after this mission uh, that abandoned you, well, not abandoned you because we didn't know you were there, but like right, right. Um, Commander Riker got the promotion right after that and decided that he uh, was going to pursue his career and his dream of becoming captain earlier. And I had my own career, so we didn't see each other again until we were both posted on the Enterprise. And for the past six years, we've been good friends. And Duplicate Riker's like, okay, but I'm... I'm like I'm super not him and I'm I, super I into still you and, love you yeah. and I've been dreaming of you for eight years and um he's trying to kind of get back with her and she doesn't say yes and she doesn't say no she just says good night right and, and you know what and to his credit he's like he takes it okay I think yeah. you know I mean he states his intention but he's not like it's not like Romeo he's and Juliet not, you know he's yeah not he's not pushy flipping. about it he's just like this is I'd like to pick up where we left off and she's like okay cool uh good night you know she doesn't give an answer one way or the other and then he he gives her this like cute scavenger hunt where right right you know, she has to like go from one place to another to another and winds up in 10 forward and he has this like um etching of the waterfall uh that they were at and um it's i know he's nailing it he's nailing all the slots very charming i mean it's Riker. he's yeah he's still uh doing what he can so definitely saw that jordy wasn't happy about that though oh that's right when she goes in engineering she's like what are you doing and she's reaching for a thing and then he's like yeah. yeah, I just thought that was a funny little background yeah. thing they did with Jordy being like, "Why is something on my warp core? What is yeah. this? What you wipe yeah. a booger on it? Knock it off! Get out of here!" Um, so yeah, all right. So uh, pinball back to Peter. So uh, what happened? The, the the date thing is over, and then we get Beverly and Troy in the gym again. Not wearing that those cool outfits from season three, but whatever. Oh, gosh, <laughs> they're actually wearing the the white bathrobe this time. Um, So you have them start talking about the relationship that, or potential relationship, I guess. Yeah. And the whole situation with the two Rikers. And it's like, Beverly basically points out, it's like, well, he's not Will. So, you know, take this how you will. Ah, what? Um, Ah, Take it how you will. That could be a better name for you. And then um, Duplicate Riker walks in, and then Beverly's just, you see the whole like, Hey, I'm gonna stick you with this. You gotta face it now. Bye. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I got it's a another thing. great friend moment of like yeah. Troy trolled Riker, and now Beverly's just like, right. hey, hey, bye. She wants Deanna to be happy. It, so. it is, and it's just I just think it's you the know. funniest way to do that. <laughs> um, and so then, uh, duplicate Riker and Troy do some. She shows him some of the Makbara, and then he does some Tai Chi stuff, and then they end up doing other things on the floor. Um, other things on the floor. Smooching on the floor. Um, Rumpity so, pumpity, as it were. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we see that. And then um, I think after this is where we have um, Troy goes to talk to Commander Riker. Right. And we get the hilarious moment of like, um, 
I don't know what you feel about this. And he's like, flattered, I think. Yeah, right. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, you, you, you're still digging movie. on me. And yeah. he, yeah, he gives her the whole, uh, I wrote, uh, he'll, a uh, girl, he'll do you dirty, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're a big girl. Um, but he makes a good point. She says, you know, I think his line is, uh, if, uh, if he had gotten out of there and said to me, don't you think he would have done kind of the same stuff? Because it's true, you know, um, because, it, you know, we, we see that a little bit later on. But now we get to the poker game. Uh, Aaron, tell me about the poker game. Sorry, uh, I have trouble with my mute button there. Um, yeah, no, the poker game. One of my all time favorite scenes, getting to see uh, Riker, so to speak, face off against Riker. The face off. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's you know they're 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 both they both got the magic, they got the gift, you know they're they're playing and they're playing the grift, yes, yep. And it comes down to just that that great one versus one moment where it's it's Riker versus Riker, you know who's going to win, and it's such a great juxtaposition and metaphor for um, what Duplicate Riker is going through right now, you know, trying to find his place uh, in a world where he's already he already exists and has essentially done it all. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's just it's, this, the, the building of that tension was so good. And just, you get to see Will facing down his duplicate and just say that great phrase. I practice that look in the mirror far too many times. I know, <laughs> I, I know when I'm bluffing and he calls his bluff and then he ends up, you know, going all in and he wins the pot. Um, and it, it, well, actually, if I remember correctly, uh, the duplicate ends up folding and getting up and storming off and going, you know, why bother? He's always yeah. had the winning hand all along. Yeah. Right. He just, I, he just yeah. Out. I have always had the, this is the, this is the Austin Powers moment. Allow myself to introduce myself because he's just as upset with yeah. himself. So, yeah. all right. So that wraps up Jen. Now we see other Riker and Troy together. What's his big news? So he is going to be uh, leaving and has got a post on the USS Gandhi. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, would you like to come with me? Uh, we can be together again. Um, and she's like, no, I have a career here. I'm not going to give that up just to go be with you. I want to try this, but I can't put my career on hold. And it's... It's interesting because, like, Will and Deanna do have that in common where they're prioritizing their career over the relationship. It doesn't mean that they don't have feelings, but they have different things that Will and Deanna have the same things that they want out of their life just in separate ways. Right. So there's really nothing saying that it wouldn't happen again. And right. it's that same prioritizing of his career that uh, Will warned Deanna about earlier. So like, right. he was right. Um, but it does come down to her deciding to stay on the enterprise. And right. he's like, well, if the situation were different, I would stay too. But like, there's another me here and that's yeah. weird. So yeah, right. Totally. can't do that. Um, Most deaf. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we get, uh, we get a third act that you would expect. They're back down on the planet. Uh, there's some great stunt work, a lot of tension, a bridge collapses. Climb, you know, Will, climb. Yeah. Will has to save other Riker. Um, I did note that there was kind of a costumeity in that great, there's that great exchange between uh, Worf and Data 
where uh, Data says, "Hey, you know, if you met a if you met a duplicate of yourself, how would you regard him? Or no, would you would you think you'd get along?" And he said, "No, uh, I am not typically what people would describe easy to get along with." The Data goes, "Hmm." <laughs> and it's weird because during that scene, I'm like, "Data, you you kind of met a duplicate of yourself before here." Yeah. Like, Right. Yeah, you're right. I never even really thought. And his duplicate was straight up, you know, evil villain. I mean, yeah. 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 That's so it's it's not exactly a duplicate because Lord's right. not. And then you get a lot more, you know, Data's when we get into Picard. Enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I did note that Worf and Data standing side by side, their their uniforms, which are ostensibly the same color, are slightly different. And I said, are these shipboard dry cleaners? Do you go to a different one on deck seven than you go to on deck two? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, Worf needs to wash his more frequently. I get, you know, Klingons do have that peaty aroma. Don't forget that's how Bashir mm-hmm. and O'Brien described him in DS9. <laughs> um so yeah, Jen, as you were describing, we get to the final scene uh, where she, you know, uh, Will is packing up his stuff, which I'm like, what stuff? The guy doesn't own it. I have a hairbrush. Oh, you see him packing? He actually puts a hairbrush away. So it's kind of like if you follow the show Jack Reacher over on Prime, he owns a toothbrush and that's his only possession. So there you go. <laughs> the other Riker has a toothbrush. But she says, well, to echo what Jen said, you know, he, you know, she's going to stay put. She's not ready to give up her life, but we'll see where this goes. And then ultimately, you know, we find out the, the character's fate later down the road. Doesn't really go anywhere. But my, my note from the final scene, because Will shows up and he he's he's gifting other Riker a trombone who says, I'm going to go by the name Thomas, which is their middle name, which was a big reveal for all of us who, who didn't actually know what his middle name was. He was always William T. Riker. Um, but Obviously, when you have two characters that you don't want to film them all as photo doubles the entire time, when you shoot one of them from behind, it's it's obviously it's a stand-in actor. And I noticed in particular, as Thomas was walking out the door, you see the the that the head the back of the head of the other stand-in, and uh, his hairline is different, which I thought was hilarious. So back and forth, back and forth. So yes. Eagle Eye. That was something I noticed the first time for this viewing. So, and uh, there we have it. So that's uh, this is, you know, being that I'm a huge Riker fan, I have always adored this episode. Um, when I was in high school, uh, one of my very closest, one of my very oldest friends is a girl, as it were. I mean, we've known each other since we were 12. We're, we're very close friends to this day. She and her husband and April and I are super close friends, but she was my first crush and she was my first crush in high school. So this episode makes me think of that. You know, we were never really together. I crushed on her. She didn't crush on me. So it's not exactly the same. But this episode always kind of makes me think of second chances. You know, it's kind of weird. But for Riker and for Troy, I love this exploration. This is definitely uh, one of my favorite TNGs. It really is. So um, if I was to toss a rating onto this, this is despite some of the the corny stuff like the, uh, you know, bad photo duplicates and and the, the I thought the scavenger hunt was a little corny but it still it still worked uh it was i would totally give this one an eight out of ten i was i really absolutely adored this episode so uh peter pinballing back to you where do you land with this episode uh i thoroughly enjoy this episode for you know all of the friend messing with each other bits and yeah um all of that stuff and that you know the interestingness of you know what if a version of a character didn't evolve past a certain point and then you bring them back into the present. It's just an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I would also probably put this right around an eight. It's, it's just a solid episode. Yeah. So it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got some interesting concepts and it's got some pretty solid character moments. So, 
Good deal. Rock and roll. Aaron, how about you? Well, you know, I'm I'm also a huge Riker fan. You know, R- Riker is the reason why I grew a full beard, you know, because I had that same baby <laughs> yep. face problem. He's also the reason I learned to play the trombone. Um, yep. So nice. that was, yep. And, yeah. Uh, uh, can you play Nightbird? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I I can play the trombone. I am terrible at it. Wow, you're <laughs> you're worse than Nightbird. So you oh, are boy. just yeah. like Riker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I love seeing the dichotomy between you know his old self and and his current self and that whole conflict. And I often put myself in that scenario and be like, what if I met my younger self? And I always come to the conclusion I would. Just punch him in the face as hard oh god as me too you know I mean? hardcore yeah but um but yeah no th- this this um this is such a deceptively important episode too because you have to look at it in the broader scheme of the fandom because it gets referenced so much and they come back to a lot especially for scenarios like the whole uh tuvix uh, uh situation mm-hmm. right um where they're like well why don't they just make a, a clone of tuvix with the transporter it's doable Everyone keeps overlooking the fact that there were external, extraneous circumstances that led to this accident occurring in the first place. It's not something that they can just do, you know. Right. Willy nilly. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it, it keeps coming back. And it's a good one. And and I always wanted to see more of Thomas, like what happened to him afterwards. And I, I know we saw him in DS9 right. at a later point, but I always wanted to see more like what happened to him after. And, you know, they they came back to it in, in the books. I think they talked right. about him. Yeah. yeah getting killed in like the penal colony. And then in the Star Trek online, uh, there was a, a mission that I think has since been phased out where you actually meet his child. Oh my. He a, okay. He had a, yeah. He had a, yeah, yeah. He had a kid and, and he was like a, a quest giver in the storyline. Oh, interesting. Uh, wow. Yeah. It, so it, it's kind of interesting that his legacy kind of continued, but I just, I would have loved to see it a little bit more fleshed out at some point. Interesting. All right, Jen, you're rating before I, I go through a little bit of uh, tips and trivia here. So Go for um, it. I would also give it an eight. I I think it's a solid episode, like like everyone else has been saying. Um, it does bring up an interesting moral quandary, which I think that a lot of good Star Trek does. But it doesn't. It's not too heavy about it. Um, there's lighter moments. There's more humorous moments. There's moments that touch on, you know, relationships with each other, not just the romantic, but you know, some of the friendships too. I I might have liked to see Tom. Um, dealing with the friendships that yeah. he might have needed to kind of either reintroduce himself or rekindle. And right. also the idea of, you know, do you like yourself? And what, how, how does that relationship with yourself manifest when you have an another version of you? Yeah. It's not his younger self because Tom was down there for eight years all by himself. Right. And it would have been interesting to see sort of more how that's affecting him too, because he talks to Deanna about this like maladaptive daydreaming that he's going through also um, about this, like I dreamed of you every night and this is what kept me going. And Yikes. yeah, like, I don't know if I were Deanna, I might be a little creeped out by that. But I like, would think so, <laughs> you know, um, but it did, it did keep him going. And Maybe in a more modern show, this is something that would be explored a little bit more, you know, the psychological ramifications of that, you know, when we see this accident happen again on Lower Decks, it's taken a little bit more lightheartedly. Right. I mean, because it's not eight years, it's like eight minutes or something. Yeah, right. um, But 
Yeah, I, I think it addresses some things that you you can choose to think about, or you can just say it's another lighthearted episode. It's however you want to deal with this like Schrodinger's Riker thing, uh, where there's <laughs> you right. know he's he's both. I like that they make a point of saying that they're both the same person. Yeah, like, it's not like we've been following the original and this one's a copy. Like they're both the original. So, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, the the big, just for sake of time, uh, the big uh, background uh, bit uh, that I remember from my Star Trek Next Generation companion, which is, right, oh, I just, right out front. There it is. It's the red book on the end, uh, <laughs> which was the, the Bible when I was growing up. There was, there, it was blue, and then it was red, and I think the final edition was a darker color red. That's the middle one. Uh, was that in the early stages of this episode, Jerry Taylor, co-creator of Star Trek Voyager, on the writing staff, uh, considered killing off William Riker and having Thomas join the Enterprise D crew as his replacement, uh, potentially taking Data's spot at Ops. That's what I remembered. Uh, oh, he would have become the helmsman, and Data became first officer. Um, but Taylor is quoting saying that Thomas would have been operations officer. All right, so he would have been sitting in the front. He would have had a front row seat. Uh, Ron Moore thought we would have been bold and shocking and given fans something to chew over, but Rick Berman and Michael Piller thought it was too big of a change. And I kind of, not that I would go on record as saying I would agree with something Rick Berman said very often, because I think we all know he wasn't such a great guy. Uh, but his statement was, basically, you're putting a character on the ship who's not experienced anything in the last six years and doesn't know anything of the characters. And also, they were headed out of the series and into a film, and that would have really kind of chop things up. Um, Jonathan Frakes also quoted, uh, one of my fondest memories of Second Chances is how I was able to find subtle differences between the two characters. And to this day, uh, Marina always reminds me of that. She says, I like Thomas better. Ouch. <laughs> oh. Um, we did get a great real life cameo by Dr. May Jem Jemison, who is a honest to God, African American astronaut, first one in space as the transport officer, Lieutenant Palmer. That was pretty awesome. Uh, she credited Michelle Nichols role as, uh, as O'Hara from TOS as her inspiration for her career, which is one of the most wonderful things that Star Trek has done over the past almost 60 years, uh, across the world. So, um, yeah, that's uh, so that's a wrap. All right. So uh, we will move on. We have a new random episode uh, next time we come back, but we are taking a hiatus because, as I had mentioned, April and I are headed off on the Star Trek cruise, so that's going to mean we're going to skip a rotation. So we will be back uh, in 30 days with our next one. April and I will invariably jump uh, in the time in between and do our little Star Trek The Cruise special. Um, but, yeah, this has been awesome, so good deal. Uh, Jen is going to leave us now. Uh, and uh, obviously rejoin us on the other side when we uh, resume our episode yes. 30 days from now. Uh, Jen, where do people find you out there? I have a link tree, which is linktree.com slash Jen Watson Art. There you will find links to all of my social media pages, uh, my uh, Tee Public t-shirt shop, my Etsy shop, and of course, my author page on Screen Rant, where I write on the Star Trek team. Excellent. I love it. All right. We're going to take a quick pause, and then uh, me and these two gentlemen will be back to talk about Star Trek Enterprise. So we'll be right back. All right. We're back, and it is time to get back on that long road from here to there uh, with the... Uh, Peter's like, oh, is there a row behind me? He's sitting. He's sitting on the bridge. Oh, did you did you look to make sure your background changed? <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no. I, I was checking to make sure that like Trip wasn't sneaking up behind me. Oh boy, uh oh, it's gonna sing to you. Uh, but no, we're jumping into the first segment of the final season of Star Trek Enterprise. 
the uh, second Star Trek program, well, I guess it makes it the third because, you know, uh, they obviously quit making Star Trek the animated series. I, I don't know much about how that decision was made. Um, but we'll say this is the second live action Star Trek series to be actually canceled, which happened uh, at the end of this, I think, 24 episode season. But uh, uh, came came on in uh, the for the 2004-2005 uh, season um, with a cliffhanger. Uh, I was watching at the time, you know, I was a regular engaged fan at this time. I was a regular adult out in the world doing regular adult job stuff. Uh, Peter, I think you've told me that you came to Voyager or you came to the show later on or were you watching? I did. I came to it around college. So I was 13 when this came out. Oh, my goodness. Just a baby. And and, uh, Aaron, what about you? What's your what's your enterprise history? Um, well, I didn't have cable when it first came out, so I, I didn't catch up with it until later on. Probably, probably college. And okay, I, I never watched all the episodes. I watched it kind of here and there. Um, yeah, but I, I did like it. I really enjoyed. Uh, the gotcha. Show. Gotcha. Well, this will, uh, being part of this, well, you'll at least be able to say, hey, I've watched the fourth season, depending on how much else you've watched. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, we jump right in. I'll get us started. Uh, episode uh, one of the season is Stormfront. Uh, director is uh, Alan Croker. He is a, or Alan Craker, excuse me. Uh, I heard his name plenty of times uh, during the Delta Flyers podcast when the guys were talking about uh, Voyager because he directed many, many episodes of that show. Uh, writer is Manny Cotto, who is a showrunner, the recently deceased Manny Cotto, unfortunately. Uh, Manny Cotto was also a showrunner on the uh, Fox series 24, which I talk about all the time. I'm a huge fan of it, uh, but he's somebody who shaped uh seasons of that it might have been after this that he was a part of that or contemporaneously i can't exactly remember but that's how i first got to know his name and he's in at least in in what i've read and in my personal feelings he's somebody who really shaped i think the success of the narrative uh, of this entire season because enterprise certainly in the first couple years was very hit and miss in my opinion uh the third season i felt was very very strong but uh i felt like this was a show that hit its stride uh, right as it was getting into its last season, but it was it was too little too late. Uh, this is from Oct- October 2004. Uh, after destroying the Zindi weapon, which was the uh, cliffhanger finale uh, of season three, which we talked about a long time ago. So back, go back in your catalog and you'll hear us talking about uh, season three of Enterprise. Uh, our, our heroes find themselves in 20th in the 20th century during World War II, but the Nazis are in control of the northeastern United States. Whoa! And this is a two-parter, so I'll just go ahead and 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 break that down. So I'll take this whole first chunk. Um, as things move forward, Archer joins Silic, who we remember is the main Suleban bad guy that we've had since the third episode, uh, to stop the alien Nazis, uh, restore the timeline, and end the temporal Cold War. So th- th- this th- this two-parter did just a ton of heavy lifting. You're taking the entirety of this. Temporal Cold War, which a lot of a lot of fans bitched about, like, oh my god, it's another. Bl-. I don't. I never understood why people didn't like it. I like time travel shit just fine, and I, I don't. Time travel stuff. You know, I don't feel like the Temporal Cold War was this huge focus of the entire series. I thought it was just another wrinkle that it would come back. Oh, here's a this, and it deepens the mystery, and then it goes away for a while and it comes back. Um, but uh, yeah, I, God, I love this episode. Um, and they worked in a lot of 
that guy kind of actors, you know, and a lot of people who are on shows on UPN, like the uh, the African-American woman who was the protagonist. I think she was on that show Girlfriends with actually Tracy Ellen, Ellis Ross, who is Diana Ross's daughter. So there you go. Goes right back to Motown. Um, but you, you get a lot of these like gangster dudes, like the one heavy set mob dude, I think was on The Sopranos, if I'm not mistaken. Um and I just thought it was a Ralric and great story. You know, you get to see the, the damaged Enterprise uh, have to swoop in and save the day. And, you know, it's flying through New York City with these, you know, the Stukas, these German planes chasing it and shooting laser beams at it. I just, uh, every part of this I thought was fantastic. This is, this is one of the two-parters. And don't be surprised if further on down the road we get back to this, this two-parter because I, I, I think I have on our, on our Uber schedule one day in, in segment two, we're just going to be talking about two-parters. And so I know that we'll come back to this at some point. Cause I absolutely love it. It's so one of the, it's yeah. a fantastic two-parter. So, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, when we get into kind of two-part bonanza, but uh, yeah. Um, so I, I won't dig too terribly deep. Um, but uh, Aaron, your thoughts about this episode, You're, were you seeing it for the first time? Uh, yeah, actually, this was my first time seeing this. Um, nice. it, yeah, it was it was really good. I really enjoyed watching it. And, and again, I, I watched it with my wife, who you know she's a big fan of of uh, World War II and period pieces and stuff like yeah. that. So it's you know it's always a delight seeing the costumes and everything. And 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 I really uh, loved seeing um, the the advancement of of the Nazis into this what ifs alternative history scenario where they're marching into New York. Oh God, and, that was super cool! And the yeah. the cold open of the se- of the second segment, where it was a propaganda film about and Hitler visited USA and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. People were cheering him, and he gave a four hour speech, reminding me of Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. Sorry, we, I know we don't talk politics, but given these long crazy speeches, um, but just yeah, the total propaganda and he's just talking about the unification of Germany and USA and burr, 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 burr. oh my goodness, yeah. that yeah. that I thought was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant how they rolled that in. Absolutely. It was, very, it was very bold of them to do. Yeah. Um, you know, some, some of it I was watching and, you know, like seeing the Nazi flags and like the white house and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm kind of offended by this, but at the same time, I'm impressed that they were bold enough to show this stuff back, you know, at, at this time and period. Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 was, it was definitely a great way of, of, you know, showing what the stakes were in this situation. It's like, it's like all the potential things that this could go wrong, you know, with history and everything. And, and I, I like seeing like, the um the 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 new york uh you know the very tongue-in-cheek uh uh you know uh, italian mafia type guys <laughs> yeah right taking on taking on the the nazis in the streets i thought oh yeah nazis are in a lot of trouble now it was great yeah. it, it, it kind of reminded me gabagoo yeah it kind of gave me the same amount of joy that i had like in our last show i think we watched another world war ii period piece where we got to see the klingons killing the nazis yeah i, I, I had the same kind of joy uh, uh uh with that uh warriors meeting and battle and everything it was it was, it was fantastic and i really like the alien design in this they had a very nosferatu vampiric look to them big red eyes yeah. and yeah yeah they were pretty cool green was, blood to green blood that looked like high c because they oh, shot yeah. the one guy yeah exactly uh, that, that, just you know, the sharpest and, cheeks I've ever seen. I know. You, you <laughs> cut glass with those cheeks. Quick mm-hmm. sidebar in regards to the killing game, which we were just talking about, the Voyager holodeck episode. Mm-hmm. And this one, we get actor J. Paul Bomer back as a practically identical Nazi character in the very 
uh, in the in the, just after the cold open when Archer is being transported in the jeep, that's the guy that's chatting him up. Same actor. You know, I thought that was the same guy. I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah, was- that's him. And he also played the um, the Borg uh, child of the Doctor mm-hmm. and Seven of Nine in the I think it was season six episode called Drone. That mm-hmm. a, a Borg uh, a Borg clone was grown from the Doctor's. Uh, mobile transmitter, some random dude who got poked by it, and then uh, Borg nanoprobes uh, turned into this guy. So I guess he, I guess he's human perfection. <laughs> oh, I know that's a little scary. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, All right, Peter, yeah. Peter, 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 your thoughts. Um, I really, really enjoy this particular two-parter. Um, as we said in the last episode, because I spoke high praises of the Killing Game, I love anything that does world war two stuff it's just kind of a fun bit yeah uh, where they can you know do do that sort of thing um i i have to point out that this whole this concept of an alternate history where the united states loses is then done again not in star trek but in a show called man in the high castle oh great great show great show asimov yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. So they, so, so like the so when you're talking about how like they brought in like footage of Hitler doing things in the United States, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> things. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, making speeches and stuff. Yeah. So um, the only thing there is that they, you know, nuked DC, so we never saw the way out. Yeah. We'll um, we'll pick somewhere else. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, that, that's a show. That's a show that's worth a rewatch because I don't. I don't think. Yeah. It's, haven't it's haven't seen it in quite a bit. Yeah. Um, um, but it, otherwise, like it's a it's a fantastic episode. There's a lot of good stuff here. Silic has some really good moments in this episode, um, especially when you find when he and Archer have to work together, which right. is just hysterical. Right. Like, they both don't like each other, and they have to work with each other. And it's it's know, it's the it's some, it's 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 an odd couple. Players. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, and then you know the enterprise doing its thing first going down to San Francisco and getting shot by some P 38s and then going to New York and getting shot by German planes with lasers. Right. Like, the ship, the ship that's, that's already fallen apart, uh, you know, due to what happened, you know, back in season three when the big, yeah. the big slug out. So, um, yeah, you know, God, good stuff all across. So they do manage to, you know, Archer does end the temporal cold war. Uh, so that puts an end to the Sulaban plot line. We don't see them again. We don't see Daniels again, who's the time traveling guy. And a big part of this is that um, he's dying, but you know Archer doing what it was revives him, and then the the time zone the, the timeline obviously resets, and our people are back home again, and they roll up on Earth, and they're like, "Welcome home!" And it's just moments after, obviously the the season three uh, finale. So, um, I would I would almost argue that this is one of the better season openers that I can think of. Um, yeah. You know, and again, I, I say that with with them. You know, there have been a lot of absolutely great ones. The way the warrior was an amazing open to the fourth season of DS Nine, or um, you know, the the opening to the final season of DS Nine, or you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, this is one that I th- I think kind of uh, gave all the hit all the notes that I was I was really enthusiastic about. So I, I absolutely dug this one. So um, well, cool. All right, uh, Peter, jump us into episode three. Episode three. <clears throat> Uh, Home, uh, again directed by Alan Craker, uh, written by Mike Sussman, aired October 22nd of 2004. Enterprise is welcomed home, as we saw in the end of the previous episode, after saving Earth and the crew takes a much-needed vacation. Tucker and T'Pol visit Vulcan, where T'Pol must consider marriage to Koss, and, t- and Tucker gets to meet her mom. Yeah, Erica Hernandez becomes captain of the Columbia and <laughs> renews her acquaintance with Archer. 
and flocks encounters prejudice <clears throat> and we see reed beat people to shit on earth yeah right yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, kind of a, a strange beat of an episode because <clears throat> you're taking all the, you know, breakneck pace and, and you know, high stakes of everything that's happened, not only in the previous two episodes, but the ongoing, you know, nightmare that the crew dealt with in all of season three. And now they're, they're kind of getting back to reality. Hey, we're back home. Archer has to go through a super uncomfortable debriefing, or in particular around the episode uh, about, you you know the Vulcans that were uh, stuck yeah. in stuck in that um, that the space expanse. anomaly with yeah with the Trellium D and how they uh, they all went nuts and, and it was the horror the horror film episode back in season three and how they all tore themselves apart and how everybody's like well well you have uh, um, actor Gary Graham who again recently passed away great dude we met him at Star Trek Las Vegas as ambassadors of all just just absolutely being so Vulcany to him like well you know we really don't know what happened we only have your word for it and he's like. <laughs> I'm, you know, he's like, I shouldn't, have, I'm, I'm a big hero guy. I shouldn't have put up with this crap. Um, and then he connects with his, you know, his would be, what kind of would be old girlfriend. Um, but no, yeah. Erica Hernandez, who uh, was an officer he served with, who's now going to uh, head up the Columbia. And he's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Admiral says, take a couple of days off and get out of here. You, you know, you're, you need a break. And he goes climbing and takes her with her. And uh, then the two of them end up hooking up. And uh, yeah, Flocks, we get Flocks uh, doing the pufferfish thing, which is fun. Love to see <laughs> different weird abilities of that dude. Um, yeah, just an overall fun episode. So uh, uh, I stole it away from you, Peter. What are your thoughts? Oh, um, I generally like this episode. The, the stuff with Archer and Hernandez, I'm ambivalent to. Um, I mean, it works. That's it's not just, my favorite parts of the episode. Yeah, it's kind of run of the mill. I get it. It's yeah, like oh, I really stuff. like yeah. Tucker and T'Pol on Vulcan because it's oh, just, my gosh. just Tucker trying to figure out what he's supposed to do is just hilarious. Right, right. Like, uh, and, and and how he fits in because you know you know T'Pol is conflicted and you know yeah. we we met her fiance in in the previous episode and she's not really into him but then he's like well you know. Uh, you marry me and uh, your mom can get her job back because she got fired because of blah, 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 this reason and that reason. So it's creating a little intrigue that we're going to get to. Yeah, we get, uh, and, we, yeah, we get yeah, to that. You get, the, like, you get name dropped with the Cyranites, I think, in yeah. this episode. I, I don't, so, I don't know. I don't, they, they don't quite go that far, but they, they, not they, the, they, not the whole, yeah, what's going on, but you get, yeah. you get the concept that there's some sort of division. Yeah, in right. The Vulcan. Uh, yeah, so we're, we get that Vulcan three-parter, I think, probably in our next segment. But, yep. uh, but yeah, that was great. So in the end of it, she goes through with it, but, you know, she really doesn't want to. And he's really heartbroken. And even the mother is like, well, you got you to gotta do what you got to do. And then she's like, okay, it's too late. Uh, and then the episode, the episode ends. So, yeah, it's tough it stuff. So Aaron, it ends with a wedding. Aaron. Yeah, I, I really like this episode. Had a lot of really great moments in it. Um, I'm going to dissent from you guys a, a little bit in that I actually really like the uh, Eric Erica interaction with um, Archer from a writing perspective at the very least because I liked how it was used to kind of show Archer's growth as a character um, because I really enjoyed the line where he's talking to her and he's like, I can't stand being around you because I look at you and I see myself three mm. years ago. Yeah, big time. And and now looking back, you know, I want to feel the way that you are now, but I lost something out there. 
and and it was just it was it, i i felt it yeah i i could see how it could definitely be a little bit um uh tedious and derivative but i i felt it gave insight into where archer is at the beginning of the season in terms of he's got all this ptsd from going through everything he did with the zindi and surviving that and to where he is now and, and he just he, he wants to get back to being an explorer and we see where now he's he's kind of learned this lesson of the age-old saying you got to walk softly, but carry a big stick. Right. You know? And and he's, he's definitely lost a certain amount of innocence through everything yep. that he's gone through. And, and, and for, for that reason, I really enjoyed seeing their interaction. That's um, fair. Right. I also, I also, I, I love the stuff with Flax seeing Flax deal with the um, uh, xenophobia going on on earth. You know, I mean, understandably they've been through a traumatic event at the hands of aliens and, and a lot of people just have a hard time um, seeing anything other than labels uh, sometimes, and that's just a very human uh, thing. Not not one of our better qualities, no doubt. But, yeah, um, it was it was definitely uh, interesting getting to see that little bit of a struggle, even in this you know idealized futuristic society that we've developed. That some of those things just don't go away, and that. But you know that's what's great about humans is that we're always working and struggling to become better than what we are, and that's what yeah. I love about Star Trek. Um, and I, I and, and again, I was watching this episode with my wife, so I got some of her insights and everything. And uh, uh, she was very opinionated about the stuff on Vulcan uh, uh, with with Trip and to Paul. And um, we we were watching the entire time, and we were just like, these are the most emotional Vulcans we have ever seen. Like like mm-hmm. like watching watching to Paul, like they're having this very quiet conversation back and forth. And yeah. my wife is just sitting there, going like, oh my god, that was such an outburst. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like you, like you really used to be able to control yourself, but right. the way you flipped your, instead of flipping your right eyebrow, you flipped your left eyebrow. And I know what that <laughs> really means. So it's, I just, exactly. I'm not going to brook that kind of disrespect in my own home. Yeah. I just don't think so. So, so, so we were having fun, like really reading into the Vulcans, yeah. and like all the emotional, subtle emotional cues. Yeah. And then we're yeah. like, wow, the mom really loves Tucker. And then, you know, it gets to the part where, you know, this, this wedding is about to happen and we're like, Oh, the mom's going to step in and do some mom stuff. And then it never happens. Oh, come on, mama. Right. And then then my wife is just screaming to Paul. How could you do that to Tucker? (laughs) (sighs) Love. A lot of fun. Exciting and new. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, then the last three are actually a three parter. So I'm, I'm going to jump in and at least do this reading, but then I'll toss it back to you guys. Um, but we have a three parter, which we get our first big actor, uh, from Star Trek, the next generation, uh, playing a different role. So we actually get the return of Brent Spiner. Awesome dude. Uh, I've met him on a couple separate occasions. He's going to be on the cruise again. So I look forward, uh, to chatting with him, hopefully again within, uh, you know, next week when we're on the cruise, but, uh, we have the three-parter of Borderland, Cold Station 12, and the Augments. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to summarize these all as one in the same. So, uh, Sung's character, or excuse me, Spiner's character is Dr. Eric Sung, an, uh, an ancestor of Dr. Nunyan Sung, who created data and lore and gave birth to uh, all of the Sung type androids that we meet in TNG and Picard. Uh, Dr. Eric Sung, uh, uh, reestablished his relationship with his genetically enhanced children, the Augments, who uh, steal a Klingon bird of prey and kill its crew, including their captain, played by J.G. Hertzler, who I, we met at Grand Rapids Comic Con, super cool guy. Um, but uh, Archer then uh, gets uh, Eric out of, or gets Sung out of prison <clears throat> so that they can, uh, they can track these Augments down and kind of talk some reason into them because they're standing on the precipice of starting a Klingon war. Um, but 
But in order to do that in the first episode, they have to pass by Orion's base and the Orion's kidnap a bunch of our crew and we've got to get them back, uh, which is kind of fun. I feel like I feel like the guy who was the Orion slave master was probably a WWE wrestler because wrestling was real big on UPN at the time. I just I have a, a feeling if I looked into it, that's what that guy did because he had that vibe about him. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we have to go down, free our people uh, from the Orions. And this is this is a nice taste of the Orions that we haven't gotten. I'm trying. I think we we get the Orions twice in the season, and this is the first of the two. Yeah. Um, and and other than that, the Orions are in a lot of ways pretty much untouched going back to the original series. So this is kind of a fun exploration, as is the other episode that that uh, we get later in the season. But ultimately, uh, when uh, the, the augments what their mission is, and when they when they reteam with Sung, uh, is to visit this Cold Station Twelve, which gets us into the second episode. This is a medical repository. Uh, where this space station crew uh, gets held hostage by the uh, the augments uh, as uh, Sung and uh, they work to obtain hundreds of uh, unfertilized augment embryos from back in the eugenics wars uh, in the hopes of creating a new race of augments. And so this is very tense, you know, this big slug out uh, that we see, which we can uh, visit on as we go. But naturally, as you would expect, uh, we find our way out of it and uh, Sung is with the Augments, but eventually the head Augment guy, uh, whose name I'm forgetting, but maybe one of you guys can remember it as time goes by, um, they decide that he's a, you know, he's a, he's a lousy human and we want to get rid of him. So they give him the boot, but they do, uh, they did liberate a pathogen from Cold Station 12, which can wipe out a Klingon colony and start the war that they're hoping for. Because what they really want is the Klingons and Earth to destroy each other so that they can essentially rule whatever the hell is left. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yes, uh, clearly that doesn't work out. Our people are... Uh, victorious and Sung ends up back in prison and his last line is we'll talk about it later uh we'll do that as the big wrap up so okay I know I kind of bundled this all into one good go so let's start with uh Peter uh your thoughts as we moved through this epic let's we'll call it a movie because this will probably be another one that we dig yeah. into uh later on down the road and kind of do a deep deep dive um this is, I mean, there's so much in season four that I just love. Cause as, as we've mentioned multiple times on this, even just this show, I am a canonista. I love when things tie together. I mm-hmm. love all the little knit things. It's like, Oh, that's where that was, or that's a reference to this. Right. Um, not like the fan servicey stuff necessarily, but like just recognizing that this is one big cohesive universe. Um, and just, just seeing like, Here's the eugenics wars. There's there's leftovers of it. There's there's embryos that are waiting to be born on this station that could herald a new you know, yeah. wars disaster. Yeah, globally. Um, yeah, exactly. And this and, is still, let's not forget, a hundred years before Space Seed, which is when yep, chron- which you is, know, yeah, which is when not chronologically, but production wise, we meet Khan and his people who escaped yeah. from Earth and, and, and in 1996 because we just watched yeah. that episode this week because it was on this this top 10 I've been telling you guys that that I found yeah. uh, top 10 greatest Trek episodes that April and I are watching for an article from Variety just to get us psyched up for the cruise. Number 10 was Space Seed so we watch it like Friday night yeah. and it and was like yes. There's a reference to Space Seed in, in one of these. I think it's the right. second one. Yeah they're talking like, about they're like the, well where is Khan? what about him? 
Yeah. We don't even know if he survived. Like they don't actually yeah. name drop him, which is hilarious. Right. The him. Um, yeah. The Botany Bay, which they refer to, which is of course the ship that they took. No, no, no. They weren't even talking about the ship. They were talking about Botany Bay as as what it was, a penal colony in Australia. I can't remember if they're talking. They said, well, there were there were rumors for years that he escaped and blah, blah, blah. And of course yeah, that's they, what actually yeah, happened. Yeah, they do speak about Khan himself, but just not yeah. by name. And then it's interesting how you have the costuming is definitely a harken back to Wrath of Khan, where mo- like even the haircut of Malik is clearly Malik, the go. exact same yes. as as Khan. And well, let's face it, it was the 1990s. Think about how we were. You know, I, I know you guys are younger than me, but I know I had a mullet in high school in the early 90s. So you know, hey, that was just. That was I guess just, that was the thing. That was that was um, very much the thing. Thank God it was that was Billy Ray Cyrus, which hopefully you don't. That was Miley Cyrus's dad. Don't know if you knew that. I, I do he, know who that is. Yes, he had a magnificent mullet in the early 90s. Achy breaky heart. There you go. Achy breaky augments. Boom! New name of the episode. All right, carry on. They, they, they do at that. Um, so, but we, but there's this whole exploration during this episode, basically of nature versus nurture. Like, are the like soon claims that he tried to raise the augments in a more wholesome and humane manner, mm-hmm. based on how he describes everything else that he believes put cast that into great doubt yeah it seems um, a little iffy and eventually they turn on him because it's kind of a leopard don't change its spots you know they're yeah, and he's super, not yeah yeah he's not an augment he's not perfection but they are and so you yeah. have like this whole like there's a reason why augments especially these particular ones are not welcome in modern society because they just can't adapt to live they, there. yeah they can't and, live with they can't live with people that i mean like we, we do see a couple that like try a little bit um i forget her name but the the one who's with malik for a while oh per, flip-flops I, from the various leaders yeah um, her, yeah yeah she's kind of the uh, i don't want to say the village bicycle but uh because <laughs> that's kind of a negative connotation a uh, per, persis which i always always made me think of persis combata who was of course ilea in star trek the motion picture that's per, what I perhaps that's of. part of where the name came from yeah because um, a lot of them are supposed to be you know um that part of the world uh, right in origin um just based on uh the chronology of the genetics wars right but um it's interesting how you have like a couple that try to like hey wait maybe we're going too far maybe we're doing too much maybe we should maybe we should like you know we're perfect what if we just step aside and let everyone else do their own stupid thing and we go to our own planet and uh be perfect in our little corner right Um, so you have like you have that going on um so there's a little bit of attempted maybe we're not as bad but then like they take the full they're like, yeah, we're, we're going we're, we're we're to rule or we're going to kill everyone. And so then they're like, we're right. going to go kill Klingons, which is a questionable decision in the first place. Um, yeah. Let's talk about talk about kind of kind of writing checks your butt can't cash. I'm going to pick on the Klingons. It's going to be fine. I mean, they, uh, they, they, they possibly they would have been able to destroy the colony, which we see. We do see later, like there's some fallout from all of that because the Klingons right. see like yeah, how exactly. all the augments are. Yeah, but, you know, if it's one ship against trying to wage war against the entire Klingon empire. It doesn't matter how awesome or how superior intellect is. You're going to yeah, lose right. eventually because well, they're just, the numbers. Yeah. They just won't stop coming. Um, <laughs> exactly. There, there's going to be some poor Klingon who's going to be like, it is my dream of glory to go murder Malak because he's a terrible person. And yeah, exactly. I want the honor and he won't stop until he's gutted you. So, you know, yeah, exactly. You're not going to win it. That's going to work. Yeah. So, yeah, not the two-dimensional thinking, right? Like Khan and, you know, the Mutara Nebula. So, anyway, Aaron, I feel bad. We've been monopolizing this conversation uh, it, because it's this big three-part epic. But, uh, break it down. again, you're seeing this for the first time, I assume, because you saw this this crop of episodes kind of all in, in one chunk. Uh, how would you feel about it? 
I, I was really excited for it. I, yeah, I've also had the pleasure of uh, meeting Brent Spiner. Um, he's, he's always been a favorite character actor of mine, and, and my wife was a huge fan of him as well. So we were I, – I knew he was in these episodes, so I was excited about that going into that, um, you know, seeing him get to play another uh, uh, member of the Soong family line. Uh, always delighted to see him in anything. Um, we also had kind of an interesting experience, um, you know, just, just – stepping into the real world from in terms of the actual viewing experience, we actually had our, our chapter meeting for the USS Rhapsody earlier that day. Yeah. And, and a couple of, of the members uh, after we wrapped on the meeting and everything decided they wanted to, you know, kind of hang out for a little bit and they ended up coming over to my house and it turned into this big watch party for this huge three-parter. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, and my, my chief engineer uh, got pizza and brought it over and we ended up having this impromptu pizza party and we were just, we were just watching these episodes and uh, it was really interesting because there was a lot of opportunity to have some discussions about a lot of the decisions and a lot of the morality of the episodes and everything like that. And I remember at one point we had to stop the episode because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to name, name names or anything like that, but one, one of the members was like, well, I don't understand why they don't just let them go. And I ended up, you know, pausing and I'm like, you know, there's an argument to be made there. Because um, that's true. That's true. Know, in, 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 in a perfect world, what you know, they're as much of victims as anybody in this because they didn't ask to be born, you know, and, and they were kidnapped and it, it's they're in the world now. The genie's out of the bottle. You, know, right. you can't put them back inside. You know, you kind of uh, uh, are stuck with them now. And I'm like, and in a perfect world, you know, you could go to them and say, okay, look, you know, we can't undo what's been done. You have your lives now. I hear SETI Alpha 5 is nice this time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so it, it will be for the next hundred years. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I said, yeah, but you so you got to take a step back, though, and you've got to look at the big picture situation because it's not just a question of their freedom. It's a question of the fact that we have to deal with the consequences of their actions. And in you know this case, they've enraged the Klingons. You know, the Klingons, are never, they yeah. are never going to let them go and they're going to blame us for it because right. you know, they just see them as humans, you know, right. And it's, it's so we're, we have a responsibility. Someone's got to answer for that. Otherwise it's a big political issue. So it's, so I'm like, so yeah, one of the things that we, so I was like, if I were in Archer's position, that's the thing I would have to consider is, you know, someone's got to answer for this. We have to, you know, do the diplomatic thing and, and bring them in. They deserve the stand trial at the very least. Mm-hmm. You know? And then as we're watching the episode, we get to see their cruelty and, and, and their, their just their, their evil penchant for just total yeah. disregard for people that they view as lesser than them. And it just, it progressively gets worse and worse through their actions and the choices they make. And the entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, see this, this is why, this is why we can't just let them go. Like we want to, because we're compassionate. And right. We want, you know, you know, we want people to have a chance to just live their lives and be who they want to be. But these are the choices that they're making. And we have to consider that because now it's becoming more and more of a bigger threat because now, not just, not only do we have the issue of the Klingons, but the issue of there's an entire species of these guys that they're trying to liberate. And, right. And, and now it's not no longer a question of a couple of people, you know, wanting their freedom to, they are a potential threat. It's like now. 800 of them now. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and, it, and it's spiraling out of control. And I said, you know, in a leadership position, when you're a captain of this thing, you always got to be thinking about the big picture. And it, right. might not feel, it might not feel right at the time, you know, to want to enforce justice because we want to be compassionate and everything. But at the same time, you got to keep that in mind, how these little things just blossom and grow and get worse yeah. and everything. And, and so it – it was great. I mean, I mean, I I thought we had a really rewarding conversation, and I yeah, I, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. I like it. So, um, so yeah, to put a cap on this, the big line, you know, so Soong's back in prison and uh, Archer at least, Soong thought all this time that, oh, all the notes I took were just destroyed. And he was like, nope, everything you've done is is on is on lockdown uh, to see if it could be used for the betterment of humanity. And he's like, see ya. And he walks away, leaves him in his, in his uh, cell. And Soong's talking to himself. He's like, well, you know, enhancing humankind, that's obviously a bust. But... <clears throat> Thinking beyond that, what if I thought of like artificial intelligence, which is funny because now we're we're ever closer to that uh, as, you know, we have AI proliferating in current society. And as Peter and I have talked about uh, in regards to Battlestar Galactica and, you know, all of that being probably more uh, more and more of a reality in a scary way. But he's like, what about artificial intelligence? I might not finish the work myself, but maybe my descendants will finish the work, which is funny because does he ever get out of prison and, and actually have any descendants? Or maybe he's already got a kid running out there. Or maybe he's crazy Uncle Eric. You don't know. Um, but uh, he obviously have, has has progeny that goes on and finishes this work because that's how we get data and that's how we get Laura and that's how we get all the androids that we end up seeing uh, in Picard. So, um, yeah, that's funny. So it's... <laughs> Of the of these six that we watched, we really only have three to rate uh, because, uh, you know, unlo- I mean, I, we certainly can divvy up the two, but I feel like a two parter is one and I feel like the three parter is kind of one because they're like little micro movies. And yeah, then we season have season four has a bunch of arcs. Yeah, a bunch <laughs> of arcs. So that's going to, you know, it's going to kind of vary our conversations as we go through here. But uh, if we were, you know, to, you know, do what we always do, which is go through and pick a favorite and a least favorite from the bunch, um, it's both easy and really difficult uh, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Peter, why don't you go first? Fa- a favorite and a least favorite. Um. I'm going to have to go with um, Cold Station 12. Okay. If I have to pick one. Um, I really like all the, the stuff that's going on there, the the back and forth between Archer and the Augments, you know, how they, they get the Denobulans to help them sneak onto the station, which is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, and all, like, where we start to see the cracks with Soong figuring out that the Augments might not be what he thinks they are. Yeah. Um, so it's like all the re- the revelations that's going on. So it's it's not the beginning of the story where you don't get a whole lot, and it's not the end of the story yeah. where you get like everything exploding. But yeah, there's yeah, a lot literally. of like there's a lot of like character building and everything going on in Cold yeah. Station Twelve, and there's a lot of interesting concepts there. Um, gotcha. I I just really really like it. It it pains me not to say Stormfront, but I really really like Cold Station Twelve. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so. gotcha. All right, how about a least favorite then? Uh. Of the of the the the, uh, the three or the six, I guess. I guess you can split it out any way that you feel is the most appropriate. I figured it would be an easy one for you because you said you weren't super fond of of episode three. But I mean, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be home just for yeah. the simple reason of there's there's some things that are like a lot of it also has to do with just Stormfront and the augment arc just being so great, right? That if you the, have to pick one, three yeah. is just kind of, three is just kind of just a, a little bit lower. Right. Some of the, it's just not as it's not as some of the archer dealing with some of his PTSD. I didn't enjoy. It's well written. I will agree with that. Um, Right. But I don't know. Yeah. For me, some of Archer in the later seasons is a little harder to watch because I really liked Archer when he was more optimistic, and so he's struggling with it, and I get it. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's harder for me to watch. Right. Because I, I like the character so much, and it hurts. Oh, I hear you. So. Yeah, it's I, I I agree in a lot of ways. Uh, I would say 
uh, home is probably a little bit lower stakes because you're dealing with, you know, feelings and thoughts and there's not some world explosion, you know, because again, you know, uh, we, we've got to, you know, we're playing for all the marbles in Stormfront. And then, you know, in the, the augments three-parter, we're trying to, you know, prevent the annihilation of potentially starting a war that could, you know, kill everybody. Um, and so, yeah, the, the stakes are lower, but in a lot of ways, they're not, nothing because we're, you're dealing with the heart and soul of, of, of critical relationships uh, within the series. So, um, but other than that, I'm, I'm still going to go with Stormfront. I just, I, I love it for the visceral thrill of the, you know, seeing Nazis getting blown up and creepy aliens and, and what feels like a satisfactory uh, conclusion to the whole temporal cold war thing, which uh, again, I, I think it gets a lot of hate for no good reason. Why people really don't like that show. I don't get or, or write that like that, that component of the series. I don't get it. Um, but I, I was always uh, just really, you know, very, very fond uh, of that. So um, Aaron, take us home favorite and least favorite. Well, for favorite, I'm going to have to say it's, it's, it's a toss up between cold station 12, you know, for all the region reasons, uh, Peter mentioned, uh, or the six episode, the augments. Um, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the six episode, the augments for, okay. for, for, for a few reasons. One being, I really enjoyed that opening, um, where Archer is kind of trapped in the tube and he has got to make the great escape before the right. virus comes in. He gets this idea to, you know, blow a hole in the wall and yeah, it was pretty sweet. the space and kind of deal with that decompression sickness and everything. And I, was, that whole sequence was pretty cool. Yeah, and 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 you know the and then the whole episode kind of seeing the the the, the chicken comes home to roost for all these augments and I just remember sitting back and watching the episode and being like. Psh. Malik, I'm laughing at the superior intelligence, you know. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, and then and then the 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 teaser of data <clears throat> at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's for those reasons. That's my favorite one. Gotcha. Uh, and and for least favorite. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to have to agree with Peter with, 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 and, and you with home um, mm-hmm. for the express and simple reason of DePaul did my boy Tucker dirty. That was stone cold. And, and stone cold. cold. Didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's hurtful. Yeah. Hurtful. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Roxette 1990. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Did not go where her heart will take her. Yes, she went right off the edge of the cliff on the Titanic, and Kate Willenswet would have been very disappointed. Um, but anyway, uh, well, cool. All right, Star Trek Enterprise. That was the first segment. So, yeah, guys, we're taking a little vacation. Sorry, that's me. So we won't be back again uh, together to talk about Star Trek uh, and be published again for almost a month. So, uh, so I'd, I'd say yeah, someday, man, it is. It's a the Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. cruise is a wonderful experience, and if it, it comes, if it comes into your life someday if it's still around uh, if you have the opportunity i would say go for it because um it's it's one of those once you're on the ship you got nothing else to worry about you don't have to get anywhere you don't have to worry about lines it's just uh it particularly you know going with a spouse and it's just it's just a great vacation so but april and i will come back and we'll publish an episode where we do where we spend 20 minutes talking about it so um so you can look forward to that uh, but other than that uh everybody thanks for joining us aaron where do people find you out there in the world uh, well, we've got a link tree available. I'm primarily on uh, Facebook with uh, USS Rhapsody, SFI chapter, uh, and on YouTube. And you can also find uh, my Ghostbusters group, uh, Ghostbusters Michigan, GBMI, on Facebook and YouTube. Fantastic. Peter, what about you? I know you're the you're, you're the mystery. You're the shadow man. Yeah, I'm not really on social media <laughs> that much. But you, if you look for me, you can find me at Petrus Aquinas, uh, usually on Discord um, in like the Petoskey uh, group. 
Um, right. You can also find me on ELH's Twitch and YouTube channels where I'm currently game mastering a Star Trek Adventures game. Uh, and you can find me also behind the scenes on Starship Excelsior, a fan audio drama. Uh, see, you're getting more and more stuff all the time. You're out there. You're doing it. I love it. Well, you can find me uh, over on threads and Instagram as C3 Carpenter. Go ahead and spell it out. Uh, but the main bulk of my time uh, is spent with my uh, good crew members of the USS Grand Petoskey and Region 13 as part of Starfleet International. Both Peter uh, and Aaron are part of that with me. Uh, but uh, the, the Grand Petoskey, we're located here in West Michigan. We're one of the bigger chapters of SFI in the world. Uh, and again, I run Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. We've had some great explosive growth, in particular here in Michigan, uh, in the last five years since I've been doing it. And I'm thrilled about that. Uh, if you're a trekker within the sound of my voice in either one of those areas or even somewhere else, please visit uh, sfi.org or even ussgrandpetoskey.com. Drop me a note uh, and I can help connect you with trekkers no matter where you live. So with that, uh, I'm going to bid everybody adieu. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Remember everyone, a thousand stars is a million maybes. Peace and long life. Space, the final frontier. Well, Okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone.